0: M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas
1: It was like viewing another species on another planet
0: This is Emsolation
2: I don't blame them if they don't feel safe We're crossing lines We are not It's all we've got in lockdown I am becoming you It's like you possess
1: possessed me <laughs> I want to implement a safe word for my family And I'll just shout at them Banana, banana You're in Emsolation Tick, 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 tick my box Hello, hello, my darlings. How are you? Welcome to emsalation. I hope that you've popped me in your ears and whatever worries are weighing on your heart or mind just melt away for the next 35 minutes to 45 minutes. I don't know. I never know. of ridiculousness. You know, one of the rules in radio I was taught very early on is that you never let your listeners know when you're tired, you know, because that's not why they're listening and um, they're coming to you for a pep up. I was also told not to talk about sport because that was my co-host's area of expertise, even though I knew way more about sport than he did. But Anyway, I digress. But I'm going to tell you guys, I am so tired. I'm not quite sure what to do with myself. Uh, Elio is just not sleeping. He's going through a sleep regression and – I've I'm having I think I'm getting about 2 to 3 hours straight a night and that's been happening for probably nearly 2 weeks now and it's really starting to affect everything. It's starting to affect my resilience, my ability to deal with life. You know, it's for anyone you guys know, but you just forget, you forget when you've got older kids and then you go back for a baby. You forget how brutal not sleeping is. And I'm just I'm trying to remember, you know, every time I overreact to something or every time Something happens and I just feel like it, you know. I'll get someone will write something mean about me, or I won't get a job, and I'll just take it so personally, and it'll send me into a tailspin for the rest of the day. And then I have to remember, no, you're tired. And I was once told never touch. Never, I can't even speak. Don't even bother editing this, Maddie, my podcast editor. It's the truth. (laughs) I was once told to never touch. Oh my God, you guys. Here we go. Never, don't edit it, Matt, leave it all in, real and raw. Don't trust your tired self. And um, I, that is my mantra. I've got to get it tattooed on my forehead like Post Malone so I can read it every day. Scott isn't here today in the podcast because uh, we had an argument. And I'm not going to go into it because it's not fair to him and no one's right or wrong, but you all know we're in isolation. We're on top of each other. There's no escaping. And we both just decided not to sit next to each other in the podcast and pretend that everything was okay. We're fine. It's just a dumb fight. But... I did enough of that in broadcasting. I sat opposite men who didn't really want to be speaking to me and I just want this podcast to be a safe space for me as well as you. It, this is my little respite twice a week, trust me, because I can't let like you go to the movies or go to the library or go to a cafe or even go to a park. I have to kind of stay and stew and sit in the house, especially because it's been raining. So um, he'll be back next week. But I just wanted to let you know that that's why he's not here. That's the truth. Tuesday he wasn't here because he was looking after Elio, but today is because we had a fight. <laughs> I just didn't want to pretend that we weren't fighting. So I hope, I mean, I know I've been getting a lot of messages. I have to say a lot of you have sent in stuff for Scott and the number one thing, I've, I reckon I've got five sitting there waiting for him discussing. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> My husband and I are fighting, we can't communicate and and then the, all of those themes and I just said, it's a bit too close to home today. <laughs> can't do that one. So it'll be fine. But I did want to let you know about something that I listened to that, oh, I'm getting teary just even thinking about it. Um, so there's a podcast I occasionally listen to called uh, WTF and it's by a comedian and uh, actor, Mark Maron. Now he's, he's a pretty aggressive kind of, you know, tough, tiny little angry man. You might know him from GLOW. He's done a lot of things. Um And I do enjoy it because the podcast is loose and wild and he says whatever he wants. And he he had this really great episode with Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt's a massive fan of his. Anyway, his um, partner, writer, director, Lynn Shelton, she passed away unexpectedly and very suddenly on Saturday, just gone. And she was incredible. She made um, Hump Day, Your Sister's Sister, but she also directed Glow, Mad Men, New Girl, and um, she had a blood disorder they didn't know, undiagnosed. She was only 54. And he found her. They lived together and he found her and, and they'd only been, that. that's a kind of a newish relationship or well, a couple of years. And he found her collapsed in their hallway. And um, he then recorded his podcast on Monday. So imagine doing that 48 hours after losing the love of your life. And it is one of the most rawest, uh, distressing, amazing, honest things I think I've ever heard. He just sat in front of the microphone and just Let it all out. I am getting teary talking about it. He talked about that he said he was leveled and heartbroken and he didn't know how to move forward and um, how in love they were. I was in awe of his bravery and that kind of inspired me to tell you guys why Scott wasn't here. But also, you know, he then played the first time they ever met. He interviewed her in 2015 and he'd said that he'd put off interviewing her because she was friends with his ex-wife. But finally he said he was so intrigued by her movies and her TV shows that he had to have her on his podcast. And you can hear them, the instant chemistry, and just listening to him kind of fall in love with her over the course of that podcast and then knowing how it's kind of ended, and I'm so glad they ended up getting together. But it's just one of the most extraordinary things I've ever listened to. So your homework is to go and listen to this episode of the podcast. It's um, WTF, Mark Maron, and it's normally behind a paywall, but he's let it out because he wanted to pay tribute to Lynn. And go and watch one of Lynn's movies because I think you really enjoy them. All right. Well, God, that took a turn, didn't it? I'm going to gather. We've got a, we've got a jam-packed Michael Lucas edition. Um, we're going to be talking about songs that are about things we didn't realise they were about because sometimes you're singing innocently along to a song and you find out it's about someone's butthole. That will make way more sense when Michael Lucas appears. Uh, I'll bring him in now. Thanks again for being here today. It's a funny old one. You know, I'm not always going to be up. <laughs> there's peaks and drops, guys but we're about to get up now um in more ways than one let's bring in michael lucas
0: m Rossiano, and michael lucas this is m salation
1: all right joining me now he's here he's fresh from watching um harry styles seductively eat watermelon on a californian beach Michael oh. Lucas. Oh.
2: <laughs> and what a refresher it was. Jeez. Wide awake now. Totally.
1: People keep pointing out that we sound like two emphysemic golden girls when we laugh, and I kind of love that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> We do. We wheeze. And we've know. both got the
2: same wheeze. So I, I can't tell, if, I, if I'm listening to it, I can't tell who's who, who's wheezing at who. It's just whoever's. I, I mean, you'd like to be able to say it's whoever's not talking is wheezing, but we. I think we can somehow still talk and wheeze. I think mean, that's an 100%. ability that we have.
1: And neither of us have ever smoked. So the wheeze is confusing. I don't know where it comes from. Oh, well, it's good. You and I have a slightly creepy obsession with Harry Styles.
2: It would not be creepy if we were 20 years younger. It would be normal. I don't know how it happens. You age two decades, all of a sudden it's wrong.
1: I know, and it shouldn't be, but I just feel like I still see him as that little boy in One Direction sometimes. But then that image was erased from my mind when I watched a film clip. Now, for his song, Watermelon Sugar High, or just Watermelon Sugar, here is a bit of it if you're unaware. Watermelon sugar high. Watermelon sugar. Okay, Water so, sugar. Sorry. Oh wow. Yeah, no, no that was much better. <laughs> so in the film clip, basically it's Harry dressed in his grandmother's clothing slash Gucci, surrounded by hot, kind of how would you loose like I don't know how you describe them, like bohemian millennials? I don't know, what would you say?
2: I just went with models. I mean, that was my first, my first. Stop. No, but yeah, there was a, there was lots
1: of different. Lots of different sizes and colours and genders and um like there was a, the, trans a man woman did creep an Asian. in Asian
2: at the end. Yes, oh. I saw that. Yeah. I know. He's a, that's Ooh. what we love about Harry. And that's why I don't think we should feel creepy about it because although he hasn't broadened out his age spectrum, I feel like if he met you um, I want you to know genuinely. I think he seems like an open fellow and you're a dynamic presence and I don't think it's weird. I think he would be I think he seems mm-hmm. open and enthusiastic. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I, and this I video clip's it, only it, given
2: more evidence yeah. of that.
1: Can I accept the universe where Harry Styles and I could date. <laughs> that would be a very strange one. Well, see, <laughs> for me, so it's just him on the beach eating and surrounded by models, basically. And it, the video starts out with, an, it says it's an ode to touching because in America they're obviously in the throes of hardcore lockdown. Like they are six months behind us. And just the fact that he's just put... It's an ode to touching. So people are, watching, people are watching it going, oh, my God, those people are holding hands. It's, mm. it's really taking us back to a time where any sort of touching was just scandalous. But what I want to talk about is the fact that I didn't realise that this song was an ode to going down on women. And
2: and I'll be fair, I actually didn't think of that. I've listened to the album for quite some months now and that didn't necessarily... I mean, I definitely got that it was a bit of a sexual metaphor, for sure. But I think they've they've really gone out of their way to make it quite pointed, quite literal in the clip, to the extent that... I wish I could hear the director going, Harry, what well, I'm thinking is we'll get you to bite down and sort of lick all over a slice of watermelon, and then we'll cut to the woman, she'll arch it back in pleasure. Like, that's essentially what it is.
1: Wait, were you English or Swedish at the end there?
2: It was the Swede that has grown up in England. I'm glad you think. I was very precise. <laughs>
1: There's an actually a scene where a, a, a girl holds a watermelon on top of her vagina. So, I mean. This Just in <laughs> case.
2: You didn't, you Just weren't in getting case. it. Just case.
1: I know. And what I also want to know is what was the auditioning process for this? For this <laughs> film? <laughs> like, did they put a call out? Did you have to go and eat watermelon seductively in front of Harris Like, yep, that one. Yeah. Oh, he was so
2: freaking <laughs> Is there some sort of waiting list we can put our names down on? Correct. Like, how does it work? But then...
1: But then also, I feel like I keep missing this because okay, so watermelon sugar is an ode to going down on women. I didn't really realize that Troy Savan, Australia's own, he has a song called "Bloom." This one, I bloom, I bloom just for you. I bloom just for you. That's about anuses. I had no idea it was about his butthole.
2: hole. Look. I got that one. I mean, it, let's just say it might have been slightly more special area of knowledge, but that one was pretty clear for me. I bloom for you. I mean, just, yeah, there's a, if you really listen to the lyrics of that song, it's pretty clear what he's no. talking about.
1: No, it sounds like he's talking about his lovely personality, that when he gets around this person, he really comes into his own. I didn't even know that buttholes bloomed. I didn't
2: know. <laughs> You're thinking it's like self-empowerment. Ken's wandering around. <laughs> she has a professional success. She's telling her band I bloom for you. <laughs> yes. And they're going, what the hell?
1: <laughs> this is the same feeling I had when I found out Ed Sheeran's the 18. They say she's in the class 18. Is about
2: ice. Oh, I don't see I didn't I didn't even know that song. So <gasps> oh.
1: Should they say she's in the class 18? Class A drugs. Didn't even know. Oh, <laughs> Stuck in her daydream. Been that way since 18. But like, yeah, it's about it's about drugs, about drug abuse. So, you know, you put a lilty guitar to something and suddenly yeah. it's about going down anuses and ice.
2: Jesus. Oh, we're just happy to sing about just pure filth or delight, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. But what were the kids we used to listen to? I sometimes I hear people, you know, worrying about. The car radio playing and their kids absorbing it all, and I get it to a certain extent. But I think of the songs that we were into when we were little kids. I mean, obviously, Madonna and even George Michael. I mean, oh, yeah, I had no idea what that was about. I honestly thought it did have some relation to olive oil. (laughs) I was pretty young.
1: (laughs) No, but I I saw the
2: word virgin all the time. I could read, I I could just read when that came out.
1: I have vivid memories of Odette, my middle child, being about five and sitting in my back seat singing, <laughs> the sex in the air, I don't care, I love the smell of it. Sticks and stones may break my... Like, what? And I just realized mm. what Rihanna was singing about. And I said, Oh, you know, you don't like the smell of sex in the air. You do not. Stop singing that song. It's <laughs> just <She was> five.
2: <laughs> Country song, though. I remember teaching so my goddaughter a little dance to Lady Gaga's. Remember Love Game, which had the Take a Ride on Your Disco Stick? I want to take a
0: ride on your disco.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. it was. I did take a step back and think something's wrong with this picture or something's wrong with the picture if you add a soundtrack that's playing right now. <laughs> this needs to change. We haven't turned out into weird sexual perverts because we listened to all those Racy Pot songs when we were kids.
1: We're fine. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did you not catch the start of this podcast? We were talking about Harry Styles. <laughs> Have you forgotten? It's
2: just <laughs> that's just all human. I honestly believe that's a part of all any human that could understand that. Maybe that's my Got problem. Got a weird
1: sexual pervert perverts, 100%. Um, <laughs> look, not to move on from Harry, but there's been a subject festering for me. And I've just noticed it's it's been happening. There's all the coronavirus stories in the news. And then one story that keeps popping up in the sidebars of news sites, and that is Ellen DeGeneres. There's a bit of a stacks on, on her at the moment. And she's essentially gone from being considered the nicest person on the planet to the meanest person on the planet.
2: Have you been following this Kind of bubbling story. I have. And unfortunately, because I mean, it's clearly clickbait. Like, there's Mm. every article is structured with a little headline like, Can you believe Helen did this? Or, you know, Helen's outrageous reaction to this. Who's Helen? Oh, Ellen.
1: (laughs) Is Helen Ellen's lesser known sister? I was so confused. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> that's just what I call Ellen for reasons completely unknown but I do click on those articles and then i and yeah. then I hate myself because I'm propagating the whole cycle of
1: but I just want to know how much of it is true and how much of it is because look I'll be honest completely honest I've found it a little bit triggering <laughs> Because some of the ways that they've described her, I have been described. And she is a woman who's kind of had a lot of adversity. She basically had America reject her when she came out. She lost Mm -hmm. her television show. She hit rock bottom. I just feel like how much of it is true and how much of it is because she's a woman in charge of a large company, and, you know, sometimes as the boss and sometimes when your name is on the show, you want everything to be perfect because when things stuff up, it's your name that gets dragged through the mud. So,
2: mm.
1: you know, I, I read these things and I think, God, is she really like Satan reincarnate? I mean, obviously hanging out with George Bush was gross. She shouldn't have done that. And then a YouTuber came on the show. Her name's Nikki. She's a Dutch makeup artist, transgender woman, and she said that Ellen was cold towards her and she didn't get a toilet. And then um, Ellen also obviously compared being in her mansion to being in prison, being
2: isolated. There was also that person on Twitter that said, tell me your worst story about Ellen, and there were, like, thousands of responses. And and But, I mean, there was no way of knowing if any of it was true.
1: But he also said that he'd donate $2 per response to an animal
2: shelter. So I'm still you know, not like, sure that the net thing was a lot of good in the world, but anyway, sure, yes.
1: No, but I just – I mean, imagine being the type of person who thinks it's okay to tweet, tell me your meanest stories about another human, mm. and then retweeting all this like, I just feel like that is the armpit of humanity. That is not okay. Yeah. I just – it I've made me – I've got my own really... dark
2: theory about the timing yeah. in some ways. Yeah. Uh, well, because, she you know, she's had this show for like 15 years or something like that, and mm-hmm. and for the vast majority of it, even when she was hosting the Oscars and everything, everything was fine. And then over the past few years – things have changed. And maybe, you know, maybe she's made a few missteps and everything. But what I notice is that sometimes it's when these like women take the extra level of ambition and and like, for example, Oprah, Oprah, beloved, beloved, beloved. But there was one little time where she was getting a lot of bad press. And that was when she left her show and she tried to start her cable network own and it was struggling. Mm. And there were like a lot of stacks on articles about Oprah's going to fail. And it was like, it was like she took that bigger step and everyone wanted to portion on her. And with Ellen, over the past few years, she's gone from just producing her show to now she produces all these shows. Like she she yeah. does like Game of Games and she's become more than just a quirky host of a um, TV show. Now she's like, you know, a CEO of a really big yep. company. And as yep. soon as that started happening, then the tide started turning on her. And it was like it's all true. of a sudden, there's clearly enemies there now.
1: It's weird, And it's hard not it makes- to think
2: that Women get punished more than men do mm. when that happens. For showing yeah. ambition.
1: I mean, think about the bad behaviour from Dave Letterman.
2: We all find about that retrospectively. Oh, by the way, for the past twenty years I've been sleezing all over my stuff and, and cheated on my wife and Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: just like I know and it's not to go down the route, but I will. It's very gendered. And and I just feel like if you're listening to this and you find yourself reading these articles and then judging this woman, you've got to check yourself and be like, am I uncomfortable with her because she's being bigger than what we expect women to be or are comfortable with women being? I really feel like, yeah, sure, she's probably done some misdeft- I, I I am completely guilty of being mean to people at times and, you know, all the things that were said about me were partly true, you know, but it doesn't mean that that person should be written off entirely together and I just I don't know it's really I struggle with it and I I hope she's okay because I know she'd be taking this pretty tough I mean I'm sure she's fine she's worth 330 million dollars and blah 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 but
2: she's still a human person and if someone and is, she's weathered a lot a lot yes so would has be pretty
1: thick I know and but also but, but just, there is
2: that th- I think it's the riveting aspect of her persona is so sort of nice and relatable so there's something really compelling about hearing mm. oh maybe that's all I'm glad Michael
1: the I'm glad she's got a seedy underbelly. I really am. I think it makes her more of a rounded human. No one can be that goofy and nice all the time. It's not natural. So I'm kind of yeah. glad she's got a tooth and an edge because she's running a multi-billion-dollar business now, and she's going to have to be tough. And I, I don't have a problem with her being tough. I have a problem with her being mean and awful and not paying people if that's true. But otherwise, I don't know. I'm just I'm glad to have found out that Ellen can be a bit
2: mean. Aren't you? I always. It's also in the eye of the beholder. Completely. I I always. There's lots of people I work with, um, or have worked with over the years, and people say, "Oh, how did you go with them? I thought they were a total nightmare." And I'll be thinking, "I don't know. No, they just. I. They were clearly dedicated, but I wouldn't say that. But I don't want to. I mean, I'm sure that maybe was their experience of working with them. Mm. But I think you always have to take it with a pretty massive grain of salt when you hear. Well, and, and and also yeah, just the do. quantities of people that she has yes. to work with to get those, yes. not just that one show, but all those shows up.
1: And someone's always going to have a problem. And that was always said about me, you know, it's either people really love working with me or people found it really hard and awful and intimidating because – I took the fact that my name was on things very seriously. My name is all I have, and if something goes wrong with that, I can't go and get another job. I'm still Amarassiano. And if people Mm. I felt weren't doing their jobs correctly or being slack or weren't respecting what we were making, then I was really hard on them, and I'm better at it now. But I, I took it really seriously and and would have zero tolerance for anyone not working as hard as me, you know, and in hindsight I realise that's probably be unfair and I'm a workaholic and obviously have more invested than they do. But, yeah, I just, I don't know. It's really, I was really thinking about it on <laughs> yesterday. I'm glad we've spoken about it. I'm not getting a lot of sleep, so these are the things that are passing the time. Um, before I let you go, I we do love to discuss the things that we're watching on the telly. And, um, look, for me, I've become obsessed. There's a show on Netflix called The Great, And um, it's loosely based on Catherine the Great's rise to power in Russia. Elle Fanning, sister of Dakota, plays Catherine. And the show is hilarious and bonkers. Um, Hey, side note, where is Dakota? What's she up to?
2: I know. I was thinking about that the other day. Gosh, Elle's really risen up, hasn't she? I remember when Elle played Dakota's, like, the younger version of Dakota in some early movies. Oh, no, I don't know where Dakota is. But also, don't forget The Great, written... By Australian and show run by Australian yeah. Tony McNamara, formerly of Offspring and Love My Way and Peaky Blues, <laughs> I've worked oh. with him. He's a genius. Oh.
0: So
1: when's your breakout? Uh, <laughs> oh, shut <so> up!
2: <laughs> 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 now he was. It's... This was a play, an Australia, a play that he mm. wrote that he's expanded mm. over the years. He also wrote the favorite with Olivia Colman, which won her the Oscar. He's doing pretty well. Nice. And also, the last time I caught up with him, he was writing the uh, Cruella Deville movie for Emma Stone. So, oh my yeah. God! He's living Taren's your dream fantasy. Doing all right, I know. you he
1: okay? <laughs> <laughs> he's your career I'm nemesis. Very
2: happy, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. But it's so great. I really encourage you to watch it. It's, look, she's a very important woman in history because she pioneered the rights of women in Russia and she's progressive and she embraced science and um, she eventually overthrew her husband to become empress and it's aggressive and like they swear a lot and they haven't adjusted the language for the time for the 18th century, which is great. And I love it. But I do, you did point out that's kind of the thing now is to take historical events and really just warp them. I mean, the documentary The Crown is that other thing. That I'm-
2: <laughs> <laughs> well that sort of tries to stick sort of close with some embellishment. Mm. But there's wild ones. There's wild ones that completely take famous events and completely divert. But the one that I'm watching at the moment is called Plot Against America on it's on Foxtel and it's set in America in the Second World War, but instead of helping out like the you know allies beat Germany, America turns to Nazism. And oh, it's the story what? of a Jewish family. Yes, story of a Jewish family in America in the war. When America tilts towards Nazism, it's a different. They don't get um, FDR in as president. They get a different president, and it all turns. And it's really, it's really suspenseful. It's got Winona Ryder and um, Zoe Kazan, and uh, yeah, if you want a really dark alternative history, that's the one. But there's also very, there's also upbeat light alternative histories.
1: Yeah, well, I, I found a book actually that I I would like to encourage you to maybe write um, into a screenplay. <laughs> It's called Rodham and it is based on Hillary Clinton, who's one of your favourite humans. Although I, 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 I'm i very torn with Hillary. I'm, I, You know, I'm torn. Oh, I don't. So it's with not
2: it. without complexities, my feelings towards Hillary. I'm so certainly riveted by it. Riveted. I, yeah. I, I probably will read this book.
1: Well, I think you will. It's 200 pages and it's essentially, it could have been written by you. It's just fan fiction. But it is <laughs> what if... So obviously Hillary and Bill went to Wesley College together and they, that's where they started their relationship and that's where he proposed and so the story goes. This book focuses on her turning him down. And him marrying someone else and her rise in politics, right? But the first half of the novel is just a Mills and Boone starring Bill and Hillary, and I'm riveted. She refers to him as Lion in the book. <laughs> oh, much
2: like you mm-hmm. and
1: Scott. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, <laughs> definitely exactly the same. And, um, He's portrayed as her intellectual equal, you know, and, and um the book goes to pains to say he does think she's smart. Here's a, here's a little bit, He's just a little bit that was my favorite bit. This is Bill talking to Hillary. Your outsides are as attractive all by themselves. Hang on, I sound like a Southern Belle. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it was very <laughs> steel magnolias. I appreciate it. You went straight to Olympia <laughs> Dukakis, who weirdly really does look a little bit like Bill Clinton. But continue. Oh my God! I won't do the accent.
1: Your outsides are attractive all by themselves. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this during the women's movement, but you have great tits and your little waist and your nice soft bum and your delicious honey pot.
2: <laughs> oh. Wow. I had heard that the early sections of the book hewed closer to reality. And uh, Jesus, do we have any sources for that dialogue?
1: I don't know. What about this one? I joined Bill in bed and when I was lying on my back naked, he was laying on top of me naked. He looked at me and smiled and said, Hillary, I really enjoyed discussing theology with you. I also enjoyed doing lots of other things with you.
2: And then he plunged inside. Oh, my God. Do you reckon Hillary's <laughs> going to read it? Of course, she'd have to. What would you make of it?
1: Oh, I just love how he jumped from theology to plunging. Amazing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I mean, I don't – I've never met Bill Clinton, obviously, but that's the vibe you get. He's a Rhodes Scholar, but then also very randy, worryingly so.
1: Oh, yeah, he's a horny Rhodes would... Scholar. Isn't Tony Abbott a Rhodes Scholar, though? Like, aren't they handing those things out like, you know, <laughs> tic-tacs? <laughs>
2: I'm going to write your alternative history. It'll be riveting. Oh, shit. How will it divert from reality? You don't need to. I think the real one...
1: (laughs) The real one is scary enough. So uh, yeah. yeah, so I'm telling you guys to watch the great. Michael is recommending. What was that one called again?
2: Plot against America.
1: And if you can get your hands on Rodham online, I highly recommend it for a bit of <laughs> nighttime reading. Fifty Shades of the Clintons. <laughs> well, let's just say Hillary and Bill take very different paths in their political careers careers in this book, and you will approve of where she ends up. Let's just <laughs> and say between that. The sheets. <laughs> All right. I know you've got meetings, so you best be off. Thank you so much right. for your contribution today. I feel like, look, there was definitely a theme. Okay.
2: <laughs> You're welcome. Talk yeah, I, I, bloom,
1: I bloom, I <laughs> bloom, just for you. I bloom. Anuses. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Yeah, I'll see you tonight. Coming in for dinner. Okay, bye. Bye. Right.
0: This is Emsolation.
1: All right, guys, you know, on Thursdays I invite my friends in to let us know what they've been up to. Today is someone I think is one of the most talented performers in Australia. I think she's—I don't think she gets enough credit. Uh, Christy Willen-Brown, she's an actress, she's an incredible singer. I first fell in love with her when she played Olivia Newton-John in Xanadu. She wore roller skates on stage. Um, she's been very open, something I also respect about her struggles with IVF. You should follow her. She's a wonderful human. Uh, her and her husband, Rowan, are incredible. He's also a dancer and a performer and a singer. He played Peter Allen the boy from Oz on stage. Oh, my God, what a power couple. Here she is just to let you know what she's been up
0: to. Hey, Em and Michael, how are you guys? Longtime fan, first-time caller. Uh, I thought I'd fill you guys in on my isolation week. Uh, as usual, it was an up and down. Uh, it started with a delicious trip to McDonald's, my favourite restaurant, and as I was pulling in, the police came up behind me with their sirens on and I thought, oh, they must be like checking what if I have a legit reason for being out, which I did. So I wasn't too worried. And then they said, are you aware that your car has been unregistered for over three months? And I was like, no. Um, but they'd sent the renewal slip to my old address. So the police didn't care about that. Oh, they fined me $850 on the spot. And then I had to get it, a new roadworthy certificate, which was 750 and then the new registration itself, which was like $1,000. So that was a really brutal day out, and it really soured my um, medium quarter pounder meal. I mean, it didn't ruin it, of course, but it, it just took the edge off it a little. In the same day, I had a call from Melbourne IVF, which opened... Back up, and they said we have a credit on your account for three and a half thousand dollars. Like it was really close to the amount that I'd spent on the fine, and I felt like Jerry Seinfeld in that episode. You know where if he he throws twenty dollars out the window and then he finds twenty dollars in his pocket. You know, like everything evens out. I've had a bit of one of those weeks, which is better than you know just feeling like you're just covered in shit. You know, at least there's been some positives in there as well, and. There is a man who lives at the end of my street. He lives alone. He's probably like 80 years old and he's just the sweetest, smiliest man. I often see him out like doing some gardening or whatever, but when I go out for my walks now, he's out there and he's still dressed in like a button-down shirt with his hair done. You know when you see an old man and he's still dressed up like that, there's just something so heartwarming and also like breaks your heart. I I don't even fully understand it but every time I see him I cry and he smiles at me and waves and I'm just like doing that face where you're holding in tears. He probably thinks I'm just so weird but I'm living for that man in isolation. Yeah look life is up and down but I think all in all we're pretty lucky and lucky to have you guys spreading joy and I, I've been making some isolation videos and I just finished one where my husband and I performed the um, choreography from a chorus line in our lounge room. So I've put my back out now. So I'm hoping that my osteo is open for business um, or I'm in trouble. Lots of love to you guys. Mwah. Don't you love how she just casually says her and her husband
1: were doing the choreography to a chorus line? And you need to know that Rowan starred. In a chorus line, So this isn't just them doing some bodgy TikTok. This is two professionally Broadway-standard trained actors just giving it their all in the lounge room. Go follow Christy. It's Christy Whelan Brown, Brown with an E, on Instagram. She's amazing. She's also in Mad As Hell. She's in Neighbours. I just adore her. I adore her honesty. And, you know, you don't often hear women talking about IVF and how hard they're finding it. Follow her for her talents and also her honesty. Well, that's it. It's been a... Um, Emotional roller coaster. this episode of Emsolation. I want to thank all of you who went back and listened to last week's episodes because, you know, I did lose the stats, still haven't got those numbers back, but so many thousands of you did and I appreciate it. I also appreciate you guys letting me do this. As I said, this is twice a week where I get to have a little bit of a break and come visit you guys and have a safe space. Um, Please recommend Emsolation to anyone you think may need me in their life. Maybe they've never heard of me. What an introduction. Baptism of fire. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Please remember, yes, lockdown laws are loosened, but don't go crazy, all right? Don't go licking people. Don't go to any phone parties. Like, it's phone parties. What is it, 1997? I used to go to a phone party at Redheads in Melbourne. Yes. When you think about it now, that would have a lot of gastro would have gone on there. Oh, here we go. We've spiralled again. All right, guys, I'll check in with you, obviously, online and um, chat to you on Tuesday. Bye.